Hello and welcome to TBR Spotlight from The Big Review Ski, your companion podcast to The Falcon and The Winter Soldier on Disney+. My name is Owen, there's Rory, and today we're completely freaking out over episode five of the show, Truth Like My God. Where do you even begin? Gosh, like I, <laughs> we, we, we briefly discussed before we started recording, um, I this episode of TBR Spotlight may run into the several hours. I like... For an episode that spends a lot of time on boat maintenance, there was still a yep. lot. There was still a lot done. There was still a lot to get through in this episode. As a massive fan of boats and mm. maintenance in general, I was hugely excited to see that form a major part of the storyline of this episode. <laughs> As you said, I've cleared my plans for the rest of the day. I advise everyone else to do the same because. I've you know I've rewatched previous episodes of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far, but I think this one's going to at least maybe another four five viewings potentially. It's definitely the best one so far for me. Um, it's it's exactly the the level of interest and action and brilliantly written scenes and brilliantly uh, delivered performances that uh, I I was I was we were getting all the time from Wandavision. And this is now officially this episode anyway for me is like at the peak of when WandaVision was at its peak, like the the intrigue and everything around it. Uh and just the questions now uh are just so there's just so much going on. There's just so much going on. I have so many notes. I have so many no, notes on <laughs> Well, this is the thing. Normally, uh, before we start chatting to each other, you know, you'll, you'll jot down. You're, you're a succinct man. Um, you know, you get to the point quick. Mm. <laughs> you get to the point quickly. Awesome. Mm. Um, but normally you you hold up like, you know, a sheet and you're like, I took a couple of notes there during yeah. that episode. And this week, what have you got? Like four, Will 14 you? Would notebooks worth? Like yeah, you can yeah, see I this would like via, to see via Zoom camera, but. Oh, sweet Lord. Yeah, That's a lot of scribbles. There's, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of like arrows point like i've written a note and then the arrows like this has to do with this but also has yeah. to do with this other thing it's like, like charlie, charlie Day. kelly yeah and that, yeah. And that and uh, the- always sunny it's like <laughs> so it's everything the, wall. the whole theory is plastered all over your wall um well i was going to start with you know i'm going to go out on a limb and say that you enjoyed the episode but you've pretty much cleared that up already mm. um now i know like for a bit of context for people myself and Roy have been friends for years friends is a strong word mm. but like i know there is a particular moment in this episode that probably we're, we're in separate parts of ireland recording at the moment but i'm pretty sure i heard rory squeal with excitement from about <laughs> 150 miles away whenever a certain character made an appearance and we we will get uh to that lady's <laughs> appearance very soon is that yeah. safe to say rory that there was a moment that you're particularly excited about yeah like you you messaged me this morning uh when you started watching the episodes and I think I messaged you because I I think I started a little bit before you, and I just wrote the words. You did. I just wrote the words. Oh my god, <laughs> because I had like on again got up quite early to watch this episode. What the second it goes live, and when the character arrived, I did actually let out a little because <laughs> I was. I'm so, so happy, happy to hear that. To to I was like it was such a surprise. Oh, do you know what? No. No, because we're going to end up yeah, talking so much about it now it and again when it actually... Right. Owen, I'm going to okay. need you to tether us for this. I'm going to rein this in Thank here. Thank you. <laughs> Roy, if we were, I'm going to do that thing where they, where they slap you in the sense, okay? You ready? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Control yourself, Thank please. You. Okay. 
at the end of last week's episode, probably the most powerful moment of the episode was the final shot when the camera pans up and we see John Walker, the brand new Captain America, standing there with the blood of the man he has just murdered in full view of the public in Riga. And we were contemplating, you know, what are the repercussions going to be of that? And this episode kicks in immediately after that moment. We see Captain America, he's on the run. He runs to an old abandoned warehouse, always handy to have when you're looking to have a a, a, a bit of a fight. A lot of them around. Um, But we can tell, obviously, from the way that they're shooting this episode, the shots are blurry, they're hazy. He's got his hands on his head. He's talking to himself. He's clearly all over the shop. He just, you know, that this man is a mess at the moment. And uh, obviously we know he doesn't have Lamar there to kind of hopefully steer him on the right track. And some amazing, like this this episode was just packed full of amazing, beautiful shots. If you've, you know, if you're going to be a geek for things like beautiful photography and cinematography, um, this episode was just, uh, it was a gift essentially. But it started off with him, blood on his hands, blood on the shield, and then he makes his mind up. He just says to himself, time to go to work. What did you think of this, like kind of just setting him up um, after the events of last week's final final shot? Well, it was it was interesting to see someone uh, actively in the process of denial and rebuilding a moment in their own minds. Like you see a play out over the course of the episode um, when he goes to meet uh, the parents of, of uh, Battlestar. Lamar's. Um, like you, and it, it plays out again in the in the I guess the court martial or whatever that was in, in, in with the U.S. government, but it, you do see it like the Tetris blocks just like click click, and he's like, "No, I, I did what I had to do, and and that's fine now." But uh, Bucky and Sam are right behind him just to remind him that what he did wasn't super chill, and he probably should give himself up. Uh, I'm not sure what he thought was going to happen if he didn't give himself up at that moment. <laughs> Um, because obviously the U.S. government, we find out soon enough, is uh, not. I I was fearful that there was going to be like he did what needed to be done, and we're going to keep sending him out there. But thankfully, um, Tamar heads prevailed, and he he there were repercussions. But it did immediately result in that three way fight between them, which I thought, Hello. which I thought was going to be almost the finale. Like this is how this is how episode six would end, but it's actually how episode five starts. And it was, it was a it was a good fight. It was it it, but two things happened at the end of it that annoyed me. Okay. Um. One was when they finally kind of defeat him, and Bucky goes over and picks up the shield, and then just kind of drops it beside Sham, Sam's head, and then walks off. Doesn't even help him up. And I was like, help your mate up. He's on the ground. And the other one was when Sam does pick the the shield up, he starts wiping the blood off. And I was like, that's evidence. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) They need need that for the case against him. So it was just like these two, um, this, this, it was more important how it looked than making any kind of sense. Um, which, you know, I know it's a TV show, like stuff has to look cool, but a lot of stuff looked cool in this episode. So you didn't need those two little things. Cause I was just like, Come on, man. Don't wipe the blood off. Well, going back to the to the beginning of that two-on-one fight, which obviously has echoes of Civil War, mm. uh, so, um, with uh, obviously Iron Man and Bucky and Steve Rogers as well, and even the introduction into that fight, Captain America saying, you don't want to do this. 
and Bucky's brilliant line of, yeah, we do. And then they're straight into it. And again, John Walker is out to kill. Again, he's not yeah. here. Like, obviously, Bucky and Sam are here to take him down, apprehend him, and they're trying to reason with him. Say, you know, you, you can't just do what you've just done. Um, but no, he's there. We see him replicate that move where he holds the shield up on both of the characters yeah. and try to bring it down. And they both happen to, you know, find different ways of of stopping it. Um, again, as you said, so many cool looking things in this episode, uh, including in this fight. Those two little moments actually didn't bother me as much. I liked that Bucky and Sam still are jarring. And it was, I, I felt that Bucky dropping the shield beside Sam's head was almost a, I told you so moment. If you don't, if you don't do this, if you don't take this, then we're all in trouble essentially. So that, that was that moment. And then, um, yeah, I guess I, I'm a sucker. I, I bought into the to the kind of the caressing and cleaning of the of the shield as Sam was like, okay, I'm starting to come around to I have to be the one to look after this and clean up the shield and clean up this mess. Uh, essentially, it's another episode or probably the episode that's most packed with like there were like metaphors and symbols and the, the boat. The boat is working overtime on, mm. on being a metaphor in this episode. But in this particular scene, um, I thought it was a really nice link between Bucky's arm gets broken whenever he crashes into one of the massive columns. Then they actually physically break John Walker's arm as well. And then the wings of Falcon are broken. So everyone's kind of <laughs> upper body limbs are just all banjaxed in this fight as well. But no, I thought it was a really uh, strong opening to the episode because we were, again, uh, an amazing opening last week with the flashback to Wakanda. But uh, again, just just another fantastic start to it. And then the scene immediately afterwards, whenever Sam, we see this, Torres was present, you know, at the start of the, you know, first episode as well, um, has kind of drifted away, been there on phone calls and things, but we see him again back in person. And what about this scene where, <laughs> again, symbolism alert, uh, when he calls to Cap and it's, you know, it's very, uh, it's like that moment in the star, star is born. It's like, hey, and he turns around and like, you know, he looks back. But um, Sam looks back at Tori. He's like, you forgot the wings. He's like, keep him. Yeah. And he walks off with the shield. So what about that? Because I remember you kind of hinting at uh, some things about Torres and, and Sam Wilson back earlier in the series. Now, I think like there's, there's not there's not a huge amount to read into there in that it's pretty much spelled out that Torres will be the new Falcon. Um like yeah it just it just sets that up nicely like if that is the case i would have liked a little bit more time with torres throughout the season because now it's just like this guy we met once a month ago is back um and he has broken wings but he knows how to fix them because remember we set that up in the first episode <laughs> yeah um and he's a cool guy and he's a nice guy and blah 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 but there's like there's no real founding relationship between um Torres and Sam aside from maybe these two conversations that we've seen in these two episodes so yeah like that's fine I don't care too much just because it like in in the in this grand scheme of things happening in this episode that is so far down the line <laughs> it's like a it's like a blip it's just it's like ah oh, new Falcon I'm like shut up Get out of the way! There's so <laughs> go much away, go there's away. So much happening. There's an amazing cameo about to, about to happen. Be careful using the B word as well, will you? Please, you can't just 
use the blip word sorry, on, yeah. on, a, on, a, on a Marvel podcast <laughs> as well. Now we're straight into the disciplinary scene that you mentioned earlier on. And last week, again, we were raving about um, Sebastian Stan and his, you know, just incredible acting ability. And you wrote a brilliant piece this week. It's up on Joe. You can go and check it out. Not you, Rory. Other people. I know you can check it out because you wrote it anyway. I've read it a few but, times. <laughs> yeah. But it's about... Um, these TV episodes and these TV series giving brilliant actors the chance to actually showcase their ability. And it felt like Wyatt Russell in this disciplinary scene, like everything we've just seen him go through where he's gone off the rails, he's murdered somebody, he's trying to take down the people that we're rooting for. He's still, and this is what's so good about his performance, is he turns on the the government who are questioning him and says, you built me, you made me, I did everything you asked for me and look how you've treated me. Mm. Um, and again, you think, you think, why am I feeling empathetic for this man? And it's down to the power of, of Wyatt Russell's kind of performance and delivery, which I just thought was brilliant. And again, his reiteration, and you know he's fully gone now. He's like, I am Captain America, even though these guys are... Ten- Although there was one disturbing little moment when they're like, yeah, don't be don't forget to give us back the shield, will you? And you're like, guys, do you think you you might have collected that off him or at least looked into that? They're like, please return the shield to us with expedience. And you're like, you expect the, the murderer who's gone completely bonkers just to give it back? Um, so that was slightly disturbing. But after all of that, we get this shot. Uh, <sighs> and I was thinking, my first thought, you get these heels yeah. walking up a corridor, again, kind of blurry, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Walker are sitting on the bench. Yes. Uh, kind of just sitting in the aftermath of of the of what's just happened. He's walked out of the disciplinary hearing. Um, his wife is trying to figure out what's going on. She wants to support him, but you can tell that, like Lamar, she's conflicted because she knows this man, but like he's not who he normally seems to be. Uh, and then, yeah, the heels clicking up the corridor. And I'll let you take it from here because this is, as I said, this is when I heard a, a squeal from a, a long way. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess like when the heels arrived, I was like, oh, is this Sharon? Is she yes. back home? Is she is she finally going to reveal uh, her true intentions, which we'll get to? Because if you think, <laughs> oh, I know it's coming, <laughs> but then it does it does pan up and it like I, uh, <laughs> I uh, like you know my love of both this actress and every like character she's ever done in anything. So when it was revealed to be uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus, I was like, what the. Do people know this? Did you know that? I had no idea. Like genuinely. No idea. No. And I've actually gone to, I'm sure maybe you did the same. I went to her IMDb mm. uh, this morning straight after the episode and there's no mention of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I don't know if that's like the, you know, the Marvel bigwigs pulling their strings. And they're like, you're not putting anything on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to me, IMDb. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, no, again, you were the first person I thought of because she is a fantastic uh, actor, uh, especially when it comes to comedy, and again, just plays this scene brilliantly. But like, can you give us a, a little bit of? I suppose she introduces herself or introduces herself as Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, and I have to say, what a name. I was not, fa- I was not a fantastic name, but I was not familiar with this name uh, so far. But like, yeah, um, what do you make of like her introduction and, and where she might potentially be going here? <sighs> so. I could conservatively just talk about her arrival for the next two to three hours. Like there's just for like, I just want to like praise in in her, I think 150 seconds of screen time, making such an impact and being so funny 
And she's like, my name is, as you said, Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. She's like, but call me Val, but don't call me Val. Just keep it in your head. I don't <laughs> yeah. like to, and she's like, I don't like to repeat myself. And when she sits down and John Walker's wife's like, who are you? And she gives this eye of like, I just fucking told you. <laughs> just hands her a business card without looking at her. Like she plays it so perfectly. The comedic timing is off the charts. But yes, okay. So Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. That's a, I didn't know you were half Italian, Rory. I'm half whatever's going. So, <laughs> um, okay. So there are numerous as always iterations of this character within the marvel comics now apparently she was supposed to make her debut in black widow when that movie was supposed to debut last summer in the cinema right um so people think we got three options i've actually i've also okay, okay. i've also done a deep dive in this on joe.e you can check it out on the website as of today, I think. So there's three. One is she's the power broker. Okay. Which makes sense. She seems to be connected. She's, she seems to have power. She seems to uh, know everything all the time. Like she knew an awful lot about John Walker. He took the serum. She knew she, he didn't have the shield. And she had this like gray area line about the ownership of the shield. So she seems to be very uh, knowledgeable um, and also wielding a lot of power so it makes sense that she's the power broker i don't think she is because of something with sharon carter later on in the episode which we'll get to another one is her character in the comic books is nick fury's girlfriend oh my goodness um and she is one of the she's kind of like the co-head of shield back when shield was a thing in the comic books um but it turns out, which would tie into the Black Widow stuff, that she's actually a secret Russian sleeper agent by the name of Madame Hydra. And <laughs> right. she is she eventually puts together a group called the Thunderbolts, who are reformed supervillains who kind of fill the void of the superheroes under her leadership when um the Avengers kind of disappear one by one in the comic books now that's kind of happened in the movies captain america as we find out in this episode appears to be actually dead they reference him a few times yeah 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 so he appears to be dead um iron man's gone a few other off planet so the thunderbolts kind of filled that void under her leadership in a suicide squaddy kind of way um so it does appear she's drafting john walker if she'd been on Black Widow, just talk that one of the post-credit sequences would have been her character drafting, I forget the character's name, but it's the one played by Florence Pugh. Um, oh, yes, yeah. Black Widow's um, sister. Yeah. Um, so if she she could be putting together this Thunderbolts group. So that's option two. And option three is something that also happens in the comic books. Nick Fury and his girlfriend, Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. He's like, there's something a bit off with you. Um, and, you reckon? And then he, uh, he, she does something, and he's like, "You're not who I think you are." And he, and he kills her. And when he kills her, she re- reverts to her original form, which is a scroll. Oh my good! Oh Jesus, my nerves. Yeah, I know. So it's setting up a. Uh, there is a future show coming on Marvel on Disney Plus called Secret Invasion, where you find out that scrolls have actually infiltrated pretty much every leading government around the world and Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn are coming back for that one in the future. So this could be setting that up. So you've options here. 
is what I'm so, saying. Let me get this straight. Mm. Now I can see why you said you could talk about this character for for two minutes, or sorry, for two hours, yeah. even though she was on screen for for literally about two minutes anyway. Um, that's a lot of that's a lot going on there. Le. Um, yeah one one of the um. Again, not without myself, without knowing any of that kind of background, the thing that did strike me was obviously she's coming to John Walker at the moment he's at his most vulnerable, and it definitely feels like she's trying to recruit him. And I had jotted down in my notes, I was like, is this lady an evil Nick Fury? <laughs> because it did feel like. So that's really interesting to hear the connection between herself and Nick from the Marvel comics anyway. As we know, with Marvel Studios, um, they do love to take inspiration from the comics, um, but everything doesn't necessarily always align with that. So it will be, oh, it'll be so exciting to see where where they go with her because you don't you don't bring somebody like Julia Louis Dreyfus into uh, a TV series mm-hmm. uh, for a, a cameo for a couple of minutes and then just like, well, we're not really going to use her too much in the future. So fingers crossed, she's going to be coming back. Uh, in an even bigger uh, and better way, potentially in episode six, but we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to wait uh, for next week. But yeah, as you said, as a as as a piece of acting, uh, the comedy in it, the the completely like, those disingenuous looks, the way she hands the blank card uh, to Mrs. Walker, uh, the way she doesn't. Oh, she's yeah, she's just in total control of that situation, and uh, even just squeezing down in between the two of them. Like, you know what I mean? Just those kind of like little moves. But no, it was a fantastic scene. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that's going to be you happy for a long, long time now. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like I, I'm already looking forward to everyone's um, breakdowns of what she could potentially be. In the field. Like, as I said, if she, if she was already reportedly a part of Black Widow, it will be interesting to see where she pops up next. Very exciting. Most most definitely. Now, one of the characters who had a really big impact earlier on in the series, uh, Baron Zemo, uh, again, takes even more of a backseat this week. At the end of last week's episode, they said he did an El Chapo. He escaped from uh, the apartment in Riga and goes on the run. And the next moment he pops up here is at the Sokovian Monument. So having a poignant moment. And you see, whenever Bucky does sneak up on him and hold the gun to his head it's almost like i don't know what it felt like to you but it it felt like zemo gave him permission to like go ahead like shoot me as if like i've done what i needed to do in the previous episode he thinks he destroyed all of the super soldier serum i've come to pay my respects to the people of sokovia this isn't my family in the statue but to my family as well well oh oh no what did you what do you remember what the statue was? It was... Was it a man, woman, and two kids? I thought he and, just and, had a son. Did he have a daughter as the, well? And the man or the man was like holding them all together in the statue. Yeah. Um, and I think it was Civil War when uh, Zemo is saying what happened to his family. And he, he said he told his family to go, go to his father's house. And when they dug him up, they said, I found the body of my father still holding my wife and kids in his arms. Okay. So I was okay, like, so is that actually his family on the on the statue? Maybe. Like, I, I could be reaching, but I just did find that visual comparison. Yeah, no, no, that's a really nice connection. Um, the only reason I was thinking, I was trying to remember how many kids Zemo had, because last week he mm. mentioned his son when he was offering people turkeys. Like, don't be offering people Mm-mm. turkeys delight. That Probably the most villainous thing he's done in his entire life. But, um, so obviously the Dora come in and you think... Bucky's not really going to go dark here again, is he? Because again, Zemo kind of toys with him and almost tries to pull him to the dark side again. 
Um, but we know that Bucky has already taken the bullets out. Uh, the Dora turn up, and Io again. I thought, okay, are they wrapping up the Wakanda element of the storyline? And then obviously Bucky finishes the scene with, oh, just one more thing. Can I just get a one more little favor? And I, I remember, like at the time, it was like, okay, uh, it's interesting they're they're keeping that that link there. But I didn't actually think ahead to where they might be going with that. But do you think? Is that Zemo and Wakanda possibly wrapped up for this series? Yeah. And that was them kind of buying out. Yeah. Yeah. Like she she even said that like I, I it's it's interesting that they, they hunted down Zemo and then it's like, oh, we're taking him to the raft. It was like, oh, you were just oh, yeah. you were just taking yeah. him to prison anyway. I thought you were taking him back to Wakanda for like a trial or justice. something. I don't know. Yeah. But I suppose like ending up in prison for the rest of his life is some kind of justice. But so there was that, and then I did enjoy something we actually didn't discuss last week was when they had that fight scene in the let's say hotel room or whatever it was that that they yeah. had that fight in, and then when the fight was over, she called him James. Oh yeah, and, that, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was not it wasn't white white wolf anymore. It was like we're not. It was like when someone it was like when your mom again calls you by your full name. You're like you're your full name. You're in yeah. trouble. Yeah. Um. So when she said James, it's like we're not calling you white wolf anymore. We're not we're not that pals anymore. But she does call him White Wolf again at the end of this scene. So I was like, okay, they pals. And she's like, but maybe just don't come around for a bit. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no worries. Maybe um, we shouldn't see each other for a while. But yeah, I'd say that's Zemo done. That's um, that's Wakanda done for now. Um, yeah. And then we do find out later on this episode what the favor was. So we'll get yes, to it. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the what's in the box uh, <laughs> later, on, later on in the episode. And there was just one other thing in their conversation. You mentioned it there, the raft. Because as you said, I thought, why not bring him back to Wakanda and just wrap this thing up? But it's like the raft. It's like, okay, he's clearly <laughs> going to be broken out of the raft at some point. Because we have seen that super prison before whenever, um, during Civil War, whenever uh, a bunch of the... Uh, Steve Rogers' team essentially were were locked up there, so uh, it'll be interesting to see that come into play <laughs> like, again. We've only seen that prison once, and people were broken out of that prison in that same <laughs> in that same movie. Um, so yeah, like yeah, I I don't hold too much faith that he'll be around there for too long. Exactly. Now on to one of the. I I think this is possibly going to become one of the like a seminal moment in the entire Marvel cinematic universe, whether it is just the TV series or the yeah. movies. Um, I think, it's, I think cut- it's maybe the most powerful scene in, in the MCU today. It just, I hope we're, <laughs> I hope we're talking about the same one. Is it the scene whenever they're out playing in the back ultimate Frisbee? It's the, no, bo- no, it's, it's the, the boat scene, maintenance. It's just so powerful. <laughs> the boat maintenance again. Yeah. Yeah. It's crucial. The most powerful scene of all. So we cut to Baltimore after the Dora Levis and to Isaiah Bradley, who we have to give like, again, just what seems like a small part when he appeared Earlier in the series, uh, Carl Lumbly, who's playing uh, Isaiah Bradley, and just, <laughs> I was sitting there, and uh, his entire performance in this scene with Sam between just the two of them, um, as you said, just incredibly powerful. So we, we see a couple of things, Sam walking down the street. We've got Eli popping up in the street, who you'd mentioned previously. So his connection was potentially setting up. It was the Young Avengers, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, potentially with um, Haley Steinfeld's Hawkeye and the two kids from WandaVision and one or two others who haven't appeared yet. 
But it is nice that he the show is still like he's still here, and also yeah. here is a scene that will just knock the air out of you directly afterwards. <laughs> Pretty much, and, and an interesting thing at the beginning of the scene, Sam is walking down the street to Isaiah's house with the shield in the old leather case that Steve had given to him at the end of Endgame as well. So it's almost like he had taken it out of that to present it to the government, and now he's got it back in this case. So yeah, um, Jeekers, like as you said, this kind of scene takes the air out of you. And again, we've we've talked about it in previous episodes, but Malcolm Spellman, the uh, the head writer on the show, has said that one of the key issues of this entire series is people you know, not accepting uh, a black man as Captain America. And then the way the scene goes, I mean, they literally, you know, there's no mess in here. I know we talked about symbolism and metaphor and everything, but Isaiah's character literally comes out and says these things. They will never let a black man be Captain America. And even if they did, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be, which is just put Sam in this incredibly difficult position because, he feels like he knows what he what he wants to, to do. And then when he had somebody like Isaiah, and obviously Isaiah's entire perspective is completely uh it's completely understandable where he's coming from because of everything that he's gone through. But again, can you just do a quick recap on what what his background was? Because he, he seems to give a little bit more detail this time around when he's talking to Sam. Yeah, like it is again, it's it's slightly different to the slightly different to the comic book one in that in, in this version he was tested upon and then was sent out to war uh, and was captured while he was out there. And he, when he realized that the, the, the army folk back home would rather bomb the POW camp and pretend he never existed than go in and try and save him. He realized he was going to have to do this on his own. So he, he managed to break out and save some of his fellow soldiers, but they all got killed in the escape plan, except for him. And he eventually made it home only to be put in prison for his wife to be told that he was dead and then be tested upon for decades. Um, and then a nurse eventually took pity on him, helped him escape. Uh, and he's just lived under the radar ever since. So now he does appear to still be living under the same name he's had the whole time. So I don't know how the government haven't quite uh, clocked onto it, but we'll, we'll overlook that. Like, yeah, like that whole scene was just, it's, shockingly powerful um i i can't remember if we mentioned it in this before i definitely wrote about it on joe in that like the the testing was is based on something that actually happened in the 1940s when african-american men were told that they were being given um an inoculation against certain diseases uh and some of them were given placebos and some of them were just like random things that the government wanted to test on them um and it went on for decades um for with the people not realizing what was happening so uh, uh like it's it's just between his performance and the writing and what it could potentially mean for the future of sam it was just such a a shockingly brilliant insight um and yeah like i think if it is one of those scenes that people who like will do some homework on it and read more about it and see what what it's all kind of influenced by and based on then it's it's done its job even more magnificently than than we could have hoped. Yeah, and it does that amazing thing between what Marvel has done in the past. Because obviously, as much as it pains me to say it, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't isn't real, folks. It's not real. It's these not. these <laughs> these heroes don't exist. But 
um, it's that melding of real world and the fictional world as well. Whereas you said, he mentions things like the Tuskegee Airmen or the Red Tails, the 332, all of these uh, units that were real and set up by the US, you know, still recently, like back in the 1940s. Um, so all of this day-to-day uh, real events inform uh, this this world that we're watching here as well. And again, his line that he also says to Sam, where it's like, you think things are different. You think times are different. And again, we're, you know, as you mentioned last week about the police brutality element of Captain uh, America killing uh, a person of color in the street in front of people while they record it. Um, all of that, like that's all that stuff is literally happening this week as well. So um, this episode, as as brilliant as it is as well, and you can pick out multiple moments from it. But but yeah, as we said, this this Baltimore sequence and the long term effect it's going to have on Sam as a character as well. You can just see this um, having a huge impact both in the real world and in the Marvel world as well. Yeah, like and then. It is one of those scenes where, like, oh, that this is probably where this episode should end because it's not going to get any better than this. Um, but it turns out now there's still <laughs> there's still quite a bit to get through. I think it's a ra- it's pretty much around that time that Sam decides to go back home. That's it, literally. Um, so Sam returns home now. So we get into the like- depths of boat maintenance for the next ten. To 15 <laughs> yeah. So this is, as we said, uh, when the boat starts to do some serious heavy lifting for a metaphor for the world at large, but also for Sam and Bucky's relationship. And I was like, yes, finally, we're going to get back to the Falcon fiscal situation that we were getting <laughs> in in episode one again. And again, what again, like Anthony Mackie, we've we've you know complimented his act, and we've said how um, Carl Lumbly, Wyatt Russell, uh, Sebastian Stan—they've all had their moments to shine. It felt like this episode as well, just as an overarching, uh, a full hour of of television. It's just like Anthony Mackie in my own like just eyes as a fan actually watching it. Um, I, I've just a, a lot more respect for him as an actor now as well. It just felt like that this. He had a more drawn out, slower kind of development, but it's really paid off um, in terms of how we feel about him or how I feel about him anyway. But it was really nice just in terms of his own background. We see him back with his nephews and back with his sister, Sarah, but calling in favors that people owe his parents and it's going, oh, listen, you know, he clearly had a lovely mommy and daddy. He comes from a good home uh, in spite of you know, the various obstacles that have been put in his way growing up. He, he's ultimately a good person at heart. Again, Marvel really, you know, pressing home this this message of this. He is a, he's a good man, maybe not the perfect soldier, but he's he's a good man, essentially. Um, and then you get like probably the best. We're, we're all used to getting delivery uh, people to our doors these days, but possibly the best delivery person in the way in the world whenever Sebastian Stan <laughs> turns up with a very special delivery for him. So, what did you make of how they played this? Because this just felt lovely. This was like a lovely bit of like this entire sequence, the music, the lighting, and just the little moments that they shared together, and obviously flirting with uh, with Sam's sister as well. Yeah, the the Sam sister flirting was was funny, and Anthony Mackie's kind of initial just kind of look back just making a mental note of like gonna keep it definitely keeping an eye on that see how that plays out um yeah i wrote a note saying i've never seen bucky smile so much during yeah. that whole scene just smiling when this when he wakes up to the kids playing with the shields when he's smiling at uh sarah um just sm- like actual smiles with sam um 
yeah, this is, it was a nice kind of friendship building scene and it, it felt deserved. It did um it did result in literally playing catch with the shield. Which, with the shield. Which I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit on the nose. It's like, why don't we go play a game of catch at the back and be friends and just pull? I was like, oh, okay, fine. But it was it was fine. I was I do have a question as in like when he when he and I felt like a bit of that was shot out of sequence or was was edited in out of sequence because in that scene Sam and Bucky are like bouncing the shield off the trees and catching it perfectly and then the very next scene Sam is bouncing it off the shit off the trees and he can't catch it for shit <laughs> like yeah, falling yeah. all over the place so I was like I think that was meant to go before the kind of reunion scene with with Sam, but maybe it, it made more sense narratively this way. But just looking at it, I was like, "You could do this a minute ago. Why are you falling now and can't catch it?" But um, yeah, for the most like, and also the other thing, I was like, oh, "No one would call in favors." Blah blah blah. I was like, "I can call in favors," and then he called in all these people from his neighborhood, and I was like, "Call John Favreau. Call <laughs> yeah, one of the rich people that you know, and be like, listen, I actually need money because." stuff needs fixing like they'll that call that favor in but like again uh this one was had a nicer narrative flow to it michael spellman uh in another interview i actually heard him say do you think that sam would be the kind of guy to do that to ask for money because we were speculating about this in episode one is like why hasn't pepper Potts just set up like a, a trust fund for all of these mm. avengers who are now like out of pocket essentially um but yeah, I know what you mean about the slightly out of sequence uh, with the shield because it, it did seem like, oh, he's got total control of it. And actually, some of those scenes were used in the one of the initial trailers as well. We were waiting a long time to get to that point when they're at the family home and and having those conversations. The There was one lovely little detail on the boat as well uh, when Bucky is flicking like a little tool, mm. like the wee wrench or the spanner, but he's flicking it like he does with a knife before he actually kills somebody. Uh, and his other line about uh, whenever Sam asks him, why didn't you just use your arm to take that thing apart or whatever? And he's like, I don't always think of it immediately. I'm right-handed, which was just, yeah, again, such a lovely insight into how Bucky has had this uh, like a persona of the Winter Soldier kind of foisted on him and it's not who he is naturally. I'm right-handed naturally and they've done this to my left arm and, you know, this is the way things are. Um, so, yeah, just an, an lovely, uh, or another lovely character insight. In this scene, the episode is called Truth and there's so many truths like throughout, obviously, between Isaiah Bradley's character talking or, or talking to Sam in Baltimore but it felt like do you know whenever you ask a friend for a piece of advice and you're able to give your friend like the mm. perfect advice and then but you don't take your own advice mm-hmm. at, at, like at any point and you know you know we've possibly been there in those situations like over the years as well but there's this moment where Bucky and Sam they both just have the perfect thing to say to the other as they're out training with the shield uh, and it's exactly what each of the other needs to hear as well and we get that sense of rounded, an element of closure as well, saying, listen, give me a call whenever you need me. And even the nice moments of, we're not partners, we're co-workers. And, but it just, again, it all feels like we're moving step in the right direction here of these two guys and, the, and their partnership. But um, yeah, no, I, I loved this entire sequence when Sam was back home. 
Yeah, no, it was it was a lovely scene, and as it was getting nicer and nicer, it's like okay, just you could hear the show like cracking its fingers, like <laughs> yeah, bad stuff's coming. Um, and it's in around there that I think we finally get back to Sharon. Yes, there's a there's a sharp cut to Madripoor, and it's not a long scene. No, she's on the she's on the phone to Josh Batrock, who uh, is called back from the first episode, and she's like, "I helped you get out of prison." And you'll do this for me, blah, 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 blah. And I was, I was like, oh, right. <laughs> Got it. <Yeah. laughs> like, uh, So she she has to be, she has to be the power broker. I'll, I'll be honest. This was the first time, because I know we've been discussing it for weeks now and hemming and hawing. Well, I've been hemming and hawing and mm-hmm. you've been resolute. And this was the first time I was like, because Emily Van Camp acting the scene even changes the way that she performs here. She performs like, you know, I'm in charge, yeah. essentially. You can see we're in her uh, high-class apartment. The artwork is all around her. There's a guard. There's a bodyguard in the background. She's very relaxed on the phone. She's calling the shots. And Batrak, who we've seen, as you said, from episode one, and he obviously had that fight with um, Captain America back at the start of uh, Winter Soldier yeah. as well. So he's popping up in these key moments, and I thought – one of the really interesting things about whenever he comes up in Winter Soldier, Nick Fury later reveals that it was Nick Fury who hired him to do that. And I know one of the things that we were talking about last week, where is Sharon still working? Yes, is she the power broker? Is she also still working on Nick Fury's side as well, potentially, where they have Batroc as one of their assets, essentially, that they can call upon? And then I was like, I was so confused because I was like, but wait, did she put him into action in episode one of this when he was trying to kill the falcon it's like oh my god where the where <laughs> all these lines they're so blurry and gray but yeah this was the first time that i was properly feeling like okay she definitely looks and feels like she's calling the shots here yeah so she she puts uh Badrock back into play and he then reunites with carly um at the end of the episode uh, and he's like i get to kill the falcon me it's like, well, you don't know for sure he's coming because no one seems to know that you're here. Um, uh, so they're they're planning an attack on the GNC where they're voting for that plaster debate thing that we talked about last yeah, the, week. The the, the, G, the GRC are trying to implement uh, the patch. That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The patch Adams thing. So, <laughs> like, uh, uh, again, I don't care about the flag smashes. And I was reading a lot about... Okay, let's take a step back here. Why are Falcon and the Winter Soldier chasing the flag smashes? So this has come to light a lot this week. As you said, you, you've been uh, seeing a lot of things, reading a lot of things, because then if we stop and think, okay, things look cool, there's cool action, there's cool drama, it's like, but <laughs> one of the basics of access storytelling is why are people doing what they're doing? What is their motivation mm. here for this? And yes, when you stop and think, okay, the Flag Smashers, they've obviously come back after the blip. They want to be treated uh, not differently. They want to be treated and accepted like other citizens of the world. One world, one people. That's their mantra. Um, we've seen them stealing vaccines. We see them with the super soldier serum to try and help their cause along. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's like, okay, well, why why are Sam and Bucky following them for these 20 
soldier serum you know what what is what is the purpose here what's the drive what's the motivation so what was it you were you were seeing then this week because there's a lot of theories going around as to why um and it would probably explain why you've had this underlying uh uneasiness about the flag smashers because something about them hasn't felt quite right um about their scenes about their storyline as well but uh what what is it exactly that potentially happened here yeah it, it like the the prevailing theory is that the flag smashers were actually looking for a vaccine to a virus that had spread around the world and was killing people and you you, you see hints of it here and there i think it's carly montague's weird auntie who is mama donya he's like is just suddenly dead in one of the episodes uh, and they are chasing down a lot of vaccines and stuff. You're like vaccines for what? Like, and you, who is this for? And where are they going? So the the theory is that there was a much stronger plotline around a virus that had been released into the population, but then because of an actual virus being released into the population in the real world, Marvel and Disney were like, "Ooh," and just took a step back. <laughs> Time to do some reshoots and a little bit of editing. And it does just feel like they're still undercut throughout the whole show. There's just I I don't fully understand why why their plot is so worthy of Sam and Bucky's involvement. If it had been a bigger deal, like if it had been like a worldwide worldwide virus and they're stealing the vaccines and that's like a problem, that makes more sense. But that isn't the case. So the more and more they're involved, and now we're getting to this episode where Carly's like, we're going to bomb this whole GRC and all the world leaders. And everyone is like, how did we get here? Um, Yeah, so it does just feel a bit choppy, a bit uh, truncated. Um, And again, as I said to the whole thing, it was only like this week when I was doing a bit of reading and then I sent it to you. Uh, I was like, hang on a second. This is why. Hold on a moment. Um. So yeah, it was only all the way through. I was like, I don't like the flag smashes. I don't. I'm not on board with this subplot. And now it turns out we might know why. Yeah, there was one very funny moment in the flag smashers whenever Carly activates them, and you see all these people standing up. Which it might be. I have to check me <laughs> in New York geography, but it might be in in the middle of Central Park essentially. But uh, and they all stand up with their phones and they start moving towards her. You know. Almost as if these people are brainwashed or zombie like. Um, but there's one guy, <laughs> I paused it and like rewind it a couple of times. There's one guy who's clearly just there having a cup of coffee and he stands up and he's just got a cup of coffee walking along as well. It was like, hey, these flag smashers are just like you and me. Everything's going to be fine. Um, we cut to after that, it's essentially it's this Wakandan case and uh, Sam, uh, moment of truth, he's about to open it. Pulp Fiction style, you know, we see him put his thumb on the, you know, this is for him. It's only for him. Only he has the power to open this this box. And sorry, this is just after. I know montages can sometimes get uh, a bit of grief as a, you know, a, a crutch or a tool that storytellers will use. But I absolutely love, there's a couple in this episode, but I absolutely loved the the last one of Sam and him training on his own with the shield and just trying to perfect the moves and going down to the pier and out in the little back country roads of his house. I, I thought that was a really, as montages go, it was up there with, um, you know, things like Rocky too and stuff as well. So uh, that was really well done. But then, yes, we get the the seven moment of like what it, what is in the box and we see Sam's reaction, but we don't see 
what's in the box but rory what's in the box what's in the box so i well like when 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 uh bucky dropped it off first and popped it on the back of the truck i was like oh they're his new wings like i didn't give it a second thought i was like it's just yeah. his new wings. Or, or parts for the boat or potentially even more boat maintenance um but then when they when he opened the box and they gave it a bit more gravity and he didn't actually see what was in it i was like oh so it does appear that the wakandans have built sam his own version of the captain america suit built out of what's that metal it's gone from my head vibranium vibranium thank you yes um but i would say it would still implement his wings so uh it does and also with the training of the shield as well it does look like we're getting the new captain america um i mean oh, sam doesn't have super strength he doesn't have um he never took the serum so it, it helps that he will have a full vibranium bodysuit when it comes to you know future cases of saving the world do you know what he does have though rory what's that a super strong heart oh He's a good, you know, and that's that's going to account for something yet, until somebody decides to what a working boat. He was oh, back to the boat, of course. <laughs> it would be amazing if instead of uh, Falcon wings like the new Captain America, Sam Wilson rocks up everywhere in a boat. It's like, yeah, we're actually on a landlocked country at the moment. Mm. Uh, Sam, not sure if you can get here. Everybody's like, no, sorry, lads, I'm going to have to give this one a miss. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Um, so yeah, that they've set that up brilliantly and really nicely for episode six, the season finale, to see whether we are going to get this reveal of what's in the case. And yeah, like God, it would be amazing because we've seen pictures right from the moment I think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier as a series was announced. People sharing pictures of Sam Wilson's character from the comic books, um, where it's this red, white, and blue Captain America getup, but with the combined with the Falcon's uh, suit as well. So if it is something like that, and again, you know, if the Wakandans are behind it, it's going to be absolutely top drawer full of like little, lovely little um, toys and gadgets and and everything just to, to help him as well. So we're obviously building to this climax um, between the Flag Smashers about to commit an atrocity in the middle of New York um bucky has said sam give me a call if you need my help sam has the case so everything is just teed up really nicely and then the credits start to roll on the episode and, and that's we it. get that's all and that's it nothing to see here mm-hmm, not this Keep week on moving, folks <laughs> and then a hammering sound like like the opening of last week's episode when you heard the wakandan drums before you saw anything you hear as the credits are rolling this hammering noise um and i started thinking i was like Thor? What, what's going on? You know, you immediately just associate anything Hammer related. But um, yeah, we get this shot of <laughs> the Wakandans aren't the only ones, you know, putting their, their building skills to good use here. You get the shot of John Walker, who we're pretty much saying is 100% uh, certifiable at the mm. moment, um, building his own version, uh, his bootleg version of the Captain America shield. Um, so yeah, what did you make of this little uh, mid-credits thing? I thought it was. I, I think this is the this is the last time we'll see him in this show. I thought it was like a nice little coda that like just be like he still thinks he's this character. He's not gone, but this is like leading up to wherever we might see him next down the road. I would be, I'd be surprised if in the in the in the midst of the New York fight that we're getting next week, if he dropped into with his aluminium 
Captain America shield. And <laughs> it's like he's making it for Halloween. <laughs> and was like, I'll do it, I'll save the day. And like one single bullet goes through and he's dead. Um so yeah, like I would be I'd be surprised if he came back. But it was it was just a nice like he's not he's not done. We're not done with him. But we're I felt like we're done with him for now. He's still of the mindset that he is Captain America. So I think, yeah, next week we still have Carly, George, yep. George Batarock, um, oui. Sharon, potentially. Mm-hmm. And if if not Sharon, whoever the power broker is. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the Flag Smashers. And... Including the guy with the coffee cup. Of course. Uh, I'm assuming uh, the new Falcon will arrive for this fight. Um, we'll see Sam as the new Captain America. I can see where everything... I can see nicely where almost everything is going. I have not clue one of what they <laughs> plan to do with the future of Bucky. I don't know where that's going. I can't, I can't, because you can see what's from the get-go. It was like, Sam has to fight through all this to become the new Captain America. But I don't see what the end goal is for, for Bucky. I was thinking that obviously from his home truths uh with Sam mm. back at back at the Wilson the Wilson pad um Sam was telling him you know you you just can't you can't just talk to these people who are on your list in your book you have to give them the closure or different people need different types of closure and i was thinking we might see Sam go back and and maybe you know uh with the Japanese gentleman that he meant right you know in episode 1 there might be a little return to that uh, I'm trying to remember was that in New York as well cuz if it is it'd be handy if he just happens to be in New York when there's when there's a you know a major flag smasher terrorist attack happening as well um but yeah I know what you mean it feels like Sam has found his peace uh we know from last week's episode again that the winter soldier trigger words uh, have been disabled. We saw him, as you said, smiling, watching Sarah's nephews play. You know, maybe maybe he and Sarah just settled down. They find, you know, he becomes stepdad to the boys. Who knows? We'll see We'll see what the crack is. And him and Sam are officially family after that. That's probably unlikely. But um, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But, um, yeah, obviously, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we're going to see the pair of them rock up in episode six uh but yeah uh they've just set it up so brilliantly yeah it it should be it should be a fair old fight and i don't think we've seen any uh indication or any any teaser any footage or anything from that final fight yet so uh i will and I, the reason why one of the reasons why i think that's the case is because i think there might be still one more person to arrive in the midst of that fight now i don't again you can shoot in the dark all night about who that could potentially be but um, yeah, I'd say that's why there is someone who's leading up to whatever the next thing is. It's like I'm here for this, blah 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 blah, and, we, and now we're on to the next thing. It was like okay, cool. So yeah, I think that was a fantastic episode. I'm very excited for the finale, uh, and I think the only thing we, uh, for me anyway, that we haven't spoken about in depth is that Steve Rogers does appear to actually be dead. So. One of the initial theories from episode one was the one that Torres mentions to Sam. It's like, oh, and Steve's uh, Captain America's up on the moon, is he? And the whole way it seems like Sam is playing his cards close to his chest. Does he know something more? Does Bucky know something more? But there are a couple of more definitive lines, yeah, throughout this episode where it's like, well, I th- Sam says Steve is gone. Steve's gone. 
He said he said it outright to Bucky. Um, again, he keeps referring part- to him in the in the past tense. It's like it doesn't matter what Steve thought. It's not. It doesn't matter what Steve thinks. Like he, there was a few of them, and I was like, Oh no! He's, he's, he's definitely dead. gone. He's super Old dead. Cap is gone. He's a dead. Um, so yeah, that's definitely. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be unlike Marvel to kind of set it up like that, and we all accept. Okay, Steve is definitely gone, and maybe Chris Evans would be happy enough with that. He's like, "Yeah, please, I'm not coming That's back right. to to be America's ass anymore, uh, old, young, or otherwise." Um, but yeah, no, you're you're right. There was that uh, that moment again, that conversation between Sam and Bucky, where Sam was particularly definitive uh, about it as well. So yeah, cheekers, as you said, what? What that's about three hours later. Um <laughs> I think we've pretty much gone through the entire episode is there. Oh, one person we didn't mention in terms of potentially appearing in episode six. Mm. Do you think Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine uh will potentially be back? Or, you know, we'll say as you said, Captain America uh as John Walker. Maybe that's the last we've seen of him, and maybe that's the last we've seen of her as well for now. Yeah, no, I, I, as much as I would love to see Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine arrive for the finale. Um, I don't see it happening. I think along the same lines as John Walker that this is setting up where they're coming next. And it's just some breadcrumbs for us, which I'm fine with. Um, yeah, like I think it could be, it could be, I'm not sure. Like I think there could be a big one still to come in six, like just another... Maybe Don Cheadle comes back, you know, and mm-hmm. helps out with the scrap. Like, it would make sense. He's already been around for it. So, yeah, like, I am excited to see. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with the finale. Excellent. Well, I think I'm going to sleep for the next week, okay. essentially. There's no point in, you know, living life, doing anything else. I'm just going to go into hibernation until they release just crash, the finale. Just crash into the Arctic. And anyway, I'll come catch you in a week. And um, Oh, you're very good. Yeah. So, so man, will you come collect me for that dance? We had a dance to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, listen, Rory, thank you as ever for all of your insight and for uh, for that chat, that deep dive on episode five of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Thank you to Sound Column on Sound today as well. Um, just for everybody who's listening, Sound Column is so committed to his job that he started, he, he didn't want everything spoiled, that he's even been getting up early as well before hitting record on the show um, he gets up to watch that just so that there are no spoilers for him. He's our so, number one so. fan, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and thank you to everybody uh, for listening to the show and for subscribing as well, and for getting in touch. Lots of lovely messages as well. So thank you for those. Um, I just did want to mention my mommy and daddy have been listening to the show as well. Oh yeah, but they haven't seen a second of any uh, moment of the show or any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so they right. have not a clue what we are talking about at any given moment. But my mommy did say, again, in that lovely mommy way where gives with one hand and takes away with the other, she was like, I just don't know how you and Rory are able to talk about that stuff for so long. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's really it's really exciting. She was like, yeah, could be shorter though, couldn't it? Could Ooh. be shorter. I was like, okay, mommy, thanks oh, for that. Oh, mommy's already so, uh, hit us when it hurts. <laughs> yeah, so uh, listen, this is the longest episode of the TBR Spotlight yet, so you're welcome, everybody, and you're welcome, <laughs> mommy, as well. But uh, we'll see you all next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.